The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is a CW Spiral, a podcast run by two Barchies and a Bughead. We're your hosts, Sabrina Reed, Michael Patterson, and Reed Gowden. Bringing you history about the network, the latest news, and in-depth spoiler-filled discussions of some of our favorite shows on the CW. Guys, we have a very packed podcast for you today. It was already going to be packed, but then in the middle of both Flash Slander and Love um, of the live tweet, they dropped the news about the sale almost being final between Nexstar, Paramount Global, and Warner Brothers Discovery. And I have to say, always there, there's a mole. Every time <laughs> we plan something, the CW drops some news that just throws things into the air. The fact that we're still talking about this how many weeks into this podcast because it feels like that's kind of like a foreshadow the beginning of this kicking off i mean it's it's amazing that we think it may almost be done but it's just crazy to think we're still talking about it after all this time especially after the wave of cancellations that came like there is an end game in sight maybe but it just feels like at this point we're destined to keep talking about this Wish they would just get it over with. <laughs> I know, and I know I get it because it's like it is a big deal of what they're trying to do, but I do want them to like hurry up and final finalize it. And according to deadline, the facts right now are that Nexstar will take majority ownership at 75%, and then Paramount Global and Warner Brothers Discovery will split the last 25%. So they each get 12.5% of um, the network, which but the part that boggled my mind was that like Nexstar is possibly not even going to be buying the CW. What they're going to do is take on the debt that the CW has, which is a hundred million dollars. And that's how we're going to uh, break even at this point. Sure. I mean, yeah, it makes no <laughs> sense to me, but <laughs> as long as it makes sense to someone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess in some ways it makes sense. I guess that would be, if they take on the debt, that would be the hundred million dollar cost of, um, the CW, uh, I do know that the reason why I want them to get this hurt, like finish it up, besides the fact that I'm tired of hearing about it in the news, uh, is that it leaves everything else up in the air. Like if you read the lead article, which is from Wall Street Journal, and it's behind a paywall, which I hate that. But anyway, if you read that, there's a little, there's a part at the end that says that the um, the ad space on the network has already been bought. So even if the network is sold to Nexstar, the lineup right now should be fine because untangling that mess after you've already promised companies that you will air their ads, um, no one wants to deal with that. Is that does that mean that the shows are safe in the short term since they already bought the ad space? Is that what that means? So that is, I believe that is what that means. Uh, so the because ad space has been bought. It, they've been bought according to those shows. So right now they're locked in. Nexstar 
could pull them off. Like if they wanted to, of course they could pull the shows off, but that would be a problem. Like, I don't know how you would compensate mm-hmm. those companies. Gotcha. So we could be in the new era of like, they just decide to pull a show after a few episodes. If the ad space wasn't bought, that would that could have possibly happened in the same way that like Killer Camp got pulled, mm-hmm. uh, Killer Camp, sorry, got pulled for a different reason. It's for low viewership, but you could see that a show get pulled off and then something replace it. Um, I don't. This is Next Star's first foray into like television programming on a broad scale like this. Um, I mean, they're the majority owners of, of CW affiliate stations, which is why they they want the company, but. They are going to be the new kids on the block. I doubt that they want to be making any enemies as they figure out what the future of the CW is going to be. And there's a point in the deadline article that says like on the night viewership is uh, the 50 plus crowd, like the 50 year olds. And I'm like, what 50 year olds are watching the CW live? That language and I still can't get over it. That language was so confusing. Yeah, I I got confused too. And as I read it over and over again, I was like, the only way this makes sense to me is if they're saying that people 50 and older are watching the CW on the night and um, the 1834 demographic is watching on the streamer next day, which would make sense. But then I'm also like, okay, are the 50 year olds and up watching Walker, Superman and Lois, Reed, you said Dynasty. Like, mm. um, and I mean, oh, that's cool. But they want 18 to 34 year olds so well they may not get it because i don't know how many 18 to 34 year olds are going to have cable (laughs) (laughs) like i I don't know it's a different um it's a new frontier you can't really judge television on the old metrics anymore so i don't know who they think is tuning into tv anyway it's going to be like our parents (laughs) yeah which has me a little scared about the future of programming on the cw i mean if they're tuning into walker fine um and but this might explain the acquisition of the professionals which is a show you'd see on tnt um maybe usa um i think i'm trying to like maybe fox you know depending Mm -hmm. on how the action action drama fits but on the cw is out of place it definitely feels like they've got like shows that on the surface might fit the CW look because of an actor that's involved in it. Like can, like uh, Professionals, for example, has a Tom Welling connect- connection. Brenton Fraser is in DC's Doom Patrol. So there's another small connection. You have uh, um, Devils with Patrick Dempsey, who in his day could have been a CW star. It definitely feels like on the surface, they're trying to appeal to those teen stars of the previous generation. But at the same time, the content doesn't scream CW. It doesn't. And maybe we'll, we'll like professionals come the fall. Um, just like family law that's coming in. Um, I think that's going to be on a Sunday in the fall. Uh, I don't necessarily mind the shift if the shift is only a little bit. Like I don't want, the thing about the CW is it's unique compared mm-hmm. to the other big networks. I don't want them to find the same niche lead, like ABC, NBC, Fox, CBS, all of them have. Um, it's supposed to be the teen and young adult network. If we bump things up a bit, a bit, that's fine, but let's not lose our brand and our image. Exactly. I don't, I don't have nothing wrong with them trying new things and trying to broaden their audience, but like, don't try to sit here and tell me that this is what you've always done. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, exactly. I mean, in five years from now, perhaps it will be like everything else. I hope not. I mean, that's 
what's the whole point? What's the point of having networks be the same? Mm-hmm. similar i mean i don't mind like are we gonna get is the cw gonna be the new home of first responder television like is that, is that <laughs> oh. gonna be the thing <laughs> and it just feels like all these networks are kind of like chasing their tails because it's like <clears throat> the cw was different in the sense that it um was catering to the streaming audience like they were optimizing their content to do what to perform well on various streaming services whereas the other networks were still you know business as usual and now it feels like they're trying to like play both sides to get like the streaming audience and the and but now it seems like the cw if this plan is accurate and goes through they're going to try to move away from optimizing for streaming and just be a network so it's like what chicken or egg like what are we doing (laughs) exactly unless like It'd be really weird, though it'd be new, would be a new frontier if the broadcasting for the CW skewed older, but the shows that they put on streaming that that are streaming exclusives on the CW app and CWTV.com are for a younger audience to try to cater to both. I mean, it would be interesting. I don't know if they have the range, but it'd be interesting. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, it does feel like there'll be a shift or a conflict or something there because the Winchesters might maybe garner an older audience because of the Supernatural fans. But at the same time, you have the Winchesters, which looks like a young adult drama from the WB days. You have Gotham Knights, which is geared towards a younger audience, even with its Batman connections. You have uh, Powerpuff in development, which I'm not sure any older person would have read that script and thought, can't wait to see that. So it's, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting time, but overlap I can, I can accept, but it's, it does feel like there'll be some kind of conflict there going forward if that's what they're hoping to achieve. Do you think that's kind of what they were trying to do with all these reboots where like like Charmed will appeal to the older audience that grew up with the original, but will also pull in younger viewers? Like the same with Dynasty. It can be applied to like all of these reboots. I feel like that just like the light bulb just went off in my head. <laughs> well, I mean, if they were doing that, Dynasty would have succeeded more than Charmed in terms of, I think, catering to... Um, two to three different generations. Yeah, Charmed is a, kind of a bad example. Just, you know, we know how, how Charmed went. <laughs> <laughs> um, but last point about this, though, and it's the point that, like, irked me a little bit. It was like, there's that little sentence in the report that this could unravel them. So, like, mm. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, If sure. this deal unravels, I fear that I will unravel. <laughs> <laughs> Like, what did we do all this work? You canceled nine shows. We're here. It's too late to turn back now. (laughs) Get the ink dry. (laughs) We did not devote how many minutes of screen time or time to this sale for it to go the other way down. Like, and as you said, like there are parts that can't be undone. Like sets have been torn down. Shows have been canceled. Actors were put out of work. Writers were put out of work. It would be awful if it were to go the other way now. And like, then this didn't have to happen in the first place. Yeah. So like, Please just sign your names on the dotted line. <laughs> Imagine if it does, like, they don't get it done and they're like, oops, my bad. <laughs> uh, well, see, that's the, like, not to, I guess this would be kind of fatalistic, but if that were to happen, then what happens to the CW? Because Paramount Global and Warner Brothers Discovery want to pull out. They have, like, yeah. they have no desire to continue. Um, and they have been ruthless in terms of, like, cutting costs and moving mm-hmm. on to the streamer. And like, would they just shut it in network? 
Mm. Or will we try again? Or we or we go to the next um the next bidder, which they don't, they don't that's the thing. They kept saying <laughs> that there might be like they're like, there are other people in the running. I was like, but you have not named a one. Mm-hmm. Next door was always that potential buyer and like that sent like the only possible future here other than them pulling out. Like as far as I'm aware, there was never another person interested. And an X-Star showed the interest in the CW and it went from there. Isn't that right? Yeah. And then, but they always left that, like that little bit of, but there are other people who, you know, could potentially be interested. Maybe they're just, they're just saying that so that <laughs> to spread <laughs> the false information to make it seem like it's like a hot commodity. <laughs> that's true. That's true. They could have been doing that. Um, but I guess tentatively, the 2022-2023 television year for the CW is safe. Yeah. Well, let's yeah. all light some candles. Fingers crossed. Fingers. <laughs> yeah. We're getting Stargirl season three, but let's hope we get the rest of it as well. Yes. Um, especially the funny thing about all of this has been that the CW has continued to put shows into development. Mm-hmm. Um, and they like announced another one called uh, Jake Chang, which is from Archie Comics, a new show that could be coming to the CW. Uh, just to read the synopsis, it's going to be it's going to have an Asian-American lead. Um, he's 16 years old. And he's a private investigator who is navigating the racially and social economically diverse worlds of his ever gentrifying home of Chinatown um, and the elite private school he attends. So the show will blend soapy teen drama, neon noir aesthetics, which Riverdale is known for, um, while flipping nearly every Asian stereotype, honor, martial arts, destiny, lineage, parental sacrifice on its head. This sounds really fun. And the mm-hmm. thing I like the best about it is that they're not trying to connect it to Riverdale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Yeah, no, it does sound really fun. And it sounds like it's got a lot of the things that we love about Riverdale, but that it could also be refreshing because Riverdale maybe ran its course a few years ago. I'm sorry. Um, but whereas this feels like it could like start afresh. And I think Archie Comics on the CW could have a very promising future. And it doesn't always have to be tied to Riverdale because like like DC, there's just so many properties out there. So I, I, I'd be intrigued by this and I'll definitely be tuning in. I hope we too. I like that the Archieverse is expanding. Um, I really, really love that they're, like, if the show goes forward, which I think that they pro- it probably will, um, that there'll be another Asian lead on the CW because currently um, they just have Kung Fu. Mm-hmm. Um, great, very popular, but like you need more than one show. Uh, and so now they could be getting another one. Um, and I like that, like, it's going to give you different worlds. Uh, the, his home, Jake Chang's home life and uh the elite school the elite high school so you're gonna get like warmth in like understanding of community and what it means for that community to be disrupted by gentrification while at the same time getting snobbery um and privilege and jake having to potentially i'm gonna assume put some people in their places as he attends the school the setup kind of reminds me of um chilling adventures of sabrina where she kind of had like her home life and then she went to that school mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, but it doesn't sound like it's going to be as, um, I mean, just from that paragraph, it doesn't sound like it's going to be as like campy or like over the top as Sabrina was. No, I think, uh, when I read the synopsis, it was giving Nancy Drew in terms of just the, yeah. the, um, another, yet another show that is going to give you, she, well, she's, was she a teenager when the season started? I think Nancy's 19, but this is a younger teenager. Um, and 
navigating that youthful space, but also, you know, getting the job done when it comes to, to cases, while still giving you a little bit of the Riverdale feel, like, you know, with the neon. Everyone loves the neon aesthetic. Um, no one has done it. Well, I was going to say no one has done it better, but Euphoria has done it pretty well, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is sort of a... a um, a staple of television now um and when done well it's like it's like peak amazing i just love it mm-hmm. and the thing that th- this show i feel like is a good move and i hope it goes ahead because in this era where they're constantly trying to reinvent themselves and look for new things this is not a reboot it's an, and it's barely even a spin-off but yet there is source material there to work with and that could work in its favor so I feel like this kind of walks the line between everything that the network does best while also offering something new. And I think that the network knows how to make these kinds of shows. So it's a tried and true method. So I think this could be a risk and a bet worth taking. Same. Um, and I hope if I hope we see it next year, actually. I don't know where it would slot in. Um, not that I wouldn't love it to take professionals place next year. And I mean, not to, I guess I shouldn't say that because we haven't seen the show yet, but as far as, I just want the lineup to start looking a little bit more like the CW and Jake Chang would do that. Um, so more power to that team. Um, I can't wait till more news starts coming out about it. Like who's being cast, what the plot's going to be. And I'm manifesting this now, no Riverdale crossovers. It's <laughs> let it live on itself. Yeah. No. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, as far as like CW shows um, going to streaming though, uh, Kung Fu season two will be on HBO Max July 15th. Walker season two will be on the streamer July 23rd. And then Superman Lois season two will be on July 29th. Um, I feel like we're starting to get a better understanding of when CW shows will land on HBO Max because it used to be sort of up in the air unless I just haven't been paying attention. Um, but like it's, they seem to be doing that thing where it will come the month before a new season airs. And now it seems to be coming the month after the season finale, which is good. Yeah. I had no idea when I thought they just arrived whenever they decided to hit mm-hmm. upload. I have no idea. So <laughs> I'm glad that they announced the dates ahead of time. Same. It feels like it's gathering more traction. Like I don't have HBO Max here, so I don't know things like this. But the fact is, it, we those all three of those shows just ended their runs quite recently. And we know when they're going to HBO Max, just like we now know when the Flash season eight is going to Netflix. So it does feel like the whole like CW shows heading to HBO Max has become as soon as they finish the run has become a regular thing. So more power to it because I feel like you should strike while the iron's hot. There there were one or two shows I think last season that didn't come for quite a long time and. The, the 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 buzz around them dies off, so it's best to get them out to the rest of the world or the rest of the US as quick as possible. And they're going to be doing that, which I think perhaps this means that we are in the promo era for the CW. Perhaps we they've been taking notes, um, or Nextar has been like, "This is why your network has not made any money." <laughs> <laughs> You need to promote. I mean, because we saw, I've been seeing more and more TV spots. I've been seeing more and more promos show up on YouTube. Um, and I'm shook every time. Every time. Just a little promo is a treat. Yes. Like, <laughs> do more, though. Make it a whole new. <laughs> uh, but there's not going to be like a meal of content on the CW. Uh, well, when this drops, it'll be the same week. But the week of July 4th. Uh, a lot of shows are going to be off, which makes sense. It's the holiday weekend mm-hmm. and week. Um, so the only shows that will be on are Tom Swift. Uh, Mysteries Dakota will premiere a new episode and uh, Dynasty will be on as well. So we got three new shows. Obviously, we're not talking about the non-scripted television. I have no idea if that will be on. I'm going to assume so. Those things are rarely ever off. 
Well, you know what? I'll be watching. We do. We do. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of watching things, and I believe I uh, read you're caught up, the me sure and Michael are not, uh, but will be, uh, is, is Riverdale. We have to come <clears throat> back because Sabrina Spellman will, will reintroduce herself into season six, which I'm excited for. Yeah, it seems like she has a really big role and I'm excited because the last time we saw her, she just like smized and left. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember the disappointment of that. They built the whole uh, five episode event on that one appearance and it was all of five minutes. I can't believe it was the same season. Like that's still I know. boggling my mind. <laughs> it's worth <laughs> the same season. <laughs> We're still on that. Reads like wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's taken, it taken so long and I know like, um, I was bugging everybody at work and every channel and writing so many like um, Riverdale's uh, Sabrina's going to be on Riverdale articles um, and like being unhinged in the Slack channels. And then it, it, it came on and I was like, she's here for five minutes. This is it. This is what we got. <laughs> I was getting a lot more of her this time around. Yes. Thank you. And um, so the episode is called The Witches of Riverdale. And the synopsis is when several of their own fall prey to Percival's latest plan, Cheryl calls upon fellow witch Sabrina Spellman for help. Elsewhere, Percival gives Reggie an ultimatum. The last sentence, I, I care about Reggie, Percival, I need him to leave. The rest of it, I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what the Percival gives Reggie an ultimatum thing is because Reggie was not in the last episode. So don't know what that's about. <laughs> but I'm really excited I don't want to spoil it too much, but um, I mean, you guys all saw the tweet where they have to resurrect. It said Archie mm-hmm. and Jughead, which is not completely true because it says several. And there were a lot of people that, you know, kind of were on the wrong end of Percival's um, curse. <laughs> yes. This is not going to happen, but that would be a good way to get. Um, is that weird, Archie? Is that the one with the zombies? Because if oh. they mess up the spell... Mm-hmm. you yeah. could get zombie archie and <laughs> everyone's wanted that for so long <laughs> <laughs> that would be fun i don't know i don't know if i can sign off on that <laughs> <laughs> like, no. i have i have limits <laughs> <laughs> and that would be brushing up right against them <laughs> um uh as far as limits though michael i'm gonna give you the floor to break your silence <laughs> On Gotham Knights. Oh, uh, uh, I've been waiting for this for weeks. Let me um, sip my tea. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I try not to, ever since I was younger, I try not to judge things before I actually see them. And I know rightly now my thoughts will be immortalized on this podcast forever. So I'm very, very careful about what I say. But I will say this. You know how excited I was about Gotham Knights. We were all excited about Gotham Knights. It's CW's new era's big show that they were building towards may not be anymore but i will say this that when that first trailer dropped that excitement went way down and i think by its very definition a trailer is supposed to tease excite and promote something and if we judge the gotham knights trailer upon what we saw i think it failed at all three of those things maybe not promotion but not for the right reasons um it, it was giving Batwoman season one, and I don't mean that in a slight to Batwoman season one. When the first trailer for Batwoman dropped, it killed the excitement for the show, and even though the show was far better than 
anyone predicted because of that trailer. Not as many people tuned in as they should have because that first trailer was a train wreck. And (laughs) the Gotham Knights first trailer (laughs) is a train wreck. Um, Again, you can take content and make it look good with a good trailer. You can take content and make it look bad with a bad trailer. Unfortunately for me, this was a bad trailer. I have thought about it. I was very diplomatic in my original statement that Reed so graciously read. I used to so graciously discuss. But I have had time to sit with it. And I don't think in such a risky era for the CW when it's cancelling hit CW properties, when it's trying to find a new CW era and is working with the biggest DC character of all time, that was the right trailer to drop. I'm not sure if that's the right show to produce. It's all giving early 2000s. We can't talk about superheroes, even though it's a superhero TV show kind of vibe. And the teen drama didn't even look as promising or interesting as CW teen drama feels. It didn't, it looked CW-ish without feeling CW-ish. And I never thought I'd watch a superhero show and say, I wish that felt more teeny to me. It, this felt grim, this felt angsty, this felt edgy for the sake of it, and unnecessarily graphic. I don't want to see Bruce Wayne in a nice tux with a Batman mask on him with his throat slit. There was, there was, there was no need to see that. And the bat masks don't look very high budget. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I've never seen a show, a CW show trend in today's day and age, the way that show trended in the days afterwards. Um. I was off social media for a while at that point, obviously, while I was traveling. And when I checked in again, it was still trending and people were still dragging it. I am going to tune in and I am going to love it with all my heart, regardless of how good or bad it is. But that was not the right trailer. And that was a very per promotional tease because it failed by its very definition to excite people for the show. There I said it. I feel much better about myself. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. Uh, and it's really accurate. I think it's the thing that is, I thought your Batwoman um, comparison is apt because Batwoman had a lot of pressure going in um, because they're not doing a Batman show yet. Uh, And so she would be the Bat presence. And then um, the trailer did not hit it. It didn't. um, And Gotham Knights has a similar pressure because of all the cancellations. This is the show that um, I don't know. I wouldn't say that Legends of Tomorrow and and, um, Batwoman were canceled to make room for it. But Mm -hmm. it is the new superhero show um, that's coming to the network. And therefore, because those shows were canceled, it has a lot of pressure on it. And that trailer did not service it in any way. You have angry fandoms who are like, this is what we gave up our shows for it, even if that's not necessarily the case, that's what it feels like. And you want them to tune in to that. I would love to know if there was another cut of the trailer. I, I, I can't imagine that they only make one trailer for these shows. They have to like decide how they're going to market it. And I don't, I want to know how they landed on this one. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, part of me wonders though, if they kind of knew, cause why did it debut on the Facebook? Mm, yeah, that was weird. <laughs> that, that we talked about bad promo. That was terrible promo. It dropped on Facebook about hours before it dropped on any other platform, and suddenly the world was starting to talk about it in waves. And not because it had dropped, but because of how quote awful it looked. And then the official accounts dropped it, 
when the world had already talked about it, when the world had all, was already dragging it. And maybe that was intentional. I don't know. But like, I don't think this is as much of a success story as when Supergirl's pilot leaked uh, online six months beforehand because it was ultimately successful. This, this felt like, push it out, but don't push it too hard. Push it out. Don't let's see, let's see what people think. And by the time it got out there, the damage was done. And I do agree that there are probably multiple cuts of different trailers or whatnot. I know Batwoman produced a few TV spots before it debuted and every single one of them was so much better than that trailer. I'm like, why couldn't you just have released that instead? So I hope it's epic. I hope we get to see some costumes and I hope it's just better than what we saw. I don't, I, 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 I want to say that in a nice way, but I don't know how you can sugarcoat that. I was, I'm not saying this to hurt it. I'm not saying this to share it. I'm not saying this against anyone involved in it. I still think the show is full of potential, but not a single drop of it was highlighted in that trailer. Yeah. Well, look, you're reviewing the trailer, not the show. So yeah, exactly. Feel free to say whatever you want. <laughs> That's and the material we have. That's the material we're going to talk about. Exactly. And you already said you're going to watch it. We're going to watch it. We'll be there. Yeah. Perhaps the, like, I expect this pilot to be piloty. All the pilots are piloty. I mm-hmm. know um, CW gets dragged more for it, but like, watch your pilots on the other broadcast networks too. Those, mm-hmm. ooh, <laughs> for, for some of them, but you tune in. Yeah, pilots can be rough. <laughs> very, very rough. Uh, this is a personal opinion, but what was rough um, on Tuesday for me was the Superman and Lois season two finale for various reasons. Not that it didn't have its highlights, but let's start with the positives. Um, I thought that I'm searching for a positive. And I'm oh my so goodness. <laughs> Clark's, let's start with Clark's cardigan at the end. <laughs> <laughs> the highlight for me i screamed in our group chat (laughs) it was so luxurious that was horrible yes it was i loved it (laughs) he looked so nice on the ship in his cardigan um he was giving um rich yeah um, wealthy like like j crew ad dad yes (laughs) which i didn't expect but he wore it well it was great yeah it was a nice little way to end up. Yeah, um, on that note. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the flash. <laughs> um, yes, I will say that was a lovely end. Superman at Lois does this unusual thing with its endings in that it's always it's it's always quite a simple scene, but there's so much heaviness to it. They're not necessarily mm-hmm. teasing the next villain. It's just a very heavy, emotional, family-driven story. And the the, the building of the new fortress in the ocean which is the more traditional looking fortress. I just let, let, let the comic book fan jump out on me. It, it looks like the one we saw in the Christopher Reeve movies. It looks like the one in Smallville where it's shaped. You can see the icicles like sticking out of each other. It, that was nice to say. Um, that was for sure a big moment. And I have questions about that. Not to interrupt you. Not at all. While, while we're on the topic. <laughs> like, where were they? Because isn't Smallville in Canvas, can, uh, Canvas, Kansas? <laughs> yes. And Kansas is landlocked, to my knowledge. So like, where did they go? I I think now this is what gets me. The fortress of solitude is out in the Arctic somewhere, so no one can get to it. Mm-hmm. 
But they decided to take a nice little boat out onto the ocean. Now, it could be anywhere in the world by the sounds of things. Remember, Superman does have his powers back. But like people use the ocean. So what are they? Oh, look, look, look at that nice ice sculpture in the ocean. Um, uh, Yeah, that's my other question. Like, are they not worried that people are going to see that? Because it's like it's pretty big. Even though it's exactly. in the middle of the ocean, I'm like, you're just going to throw that there. <laughs> exactly. Did you not see Titanic? Um, yeah, it's, I, I don't know where, I am. I assume it's supposed to be somewhere, maybe close to the other one. I don't know, it didn't look icy. Like, but uh, yeah, um, it, I, I, did, I have to admit, even the big comic book stand in me was like, where is this? Um, so <laughs> I'd be like, yes, that's, that's, an, that's an understandable question. Like I was on board with it and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Kansas is landlocked. <laughs> We're thinking the boat. I mean, it's all unimportant. It's just my brain asks those questions. <laughs> they always do in the simple scenes, to be fair. Um, yeah, no, but it was a nice little family-driven end, but obviously it had comic book implications, just like Natalie's arrival from the other Earth in the previous season had comic book implications. It, it's it's very, very... Um, for such like a, a action-packed finale, it had a very like emotionally heavy end. And I like that. I love that. That's what the show does best. Um, to go back a little bit to the actual episode, I'm interested to hear your thoughts because nobody was more divided than the, about the finale than I was. But I will say that the episode itself, without that little bit of context, which we'll get to later, I really enjoyed. I thought they did a great job with it. I thought uh, the stakes were there. I didn't like the fact that Lois was separated from the pact for the whole season, no, nor for the whole finale. That wasn't necessary. But I, I do like the fact that she was telling everybody, you don't need to be alone and you shouldn't be alone. And then poor old Lois was left on her own. Um, but I will say I really enjoyed the finale just from an, uh, a stake standpoint. It definitely felt like a solid build up to everything. The payoff was worth it as well. Um, and I just, before we get Shade, I do just want to shout out that, possibly the best scene the show has ever done was in that episode and that was when superman was getting supercharged in the sun and he had the flashback to the family the that beautiful music played as he remembered his kids at lois and you saw the skin that had burnt on him started to repair itself and i think that's what kind of separates him from like tal Rowe, for example although tal is getting there that's what separates him they're both kryptonian they're both super and they're both they both could be the world's greatest heroes but the thing that puts you makes superman that a little bit better that little bit stronger is his empathy and his love for his family and that's what ultimately helped him heal while the sun was destroying him and to see him come out of there supercharged the comic book fan of me couldn't have been happier to see the, the s glowing all the little accents on his outfit were glowing his face was glowing he overloaded the parasite ali alston with his power that for me was probably the best scene the show has produced and then when he landed and all of smallville uh clapped for him and chrissy with the tears in her eyes was clapping for him lana was clapping for him and all these real people that superman never really gets to interact with was clapping for him and then of course that special little moment with lois which was a tribute to when they first met which you've seen in the in last season when he had the other outfit that slow-mo glance they have at each other that to me was just that was a beautiful way of ending (laughs) the finale um and I just wanted to get that out there because I know how this conversation is going to turn soon. So I just wanted to say as far as season two, as the season one, I, I, I feel wrong even saying this now after what we learned this week, but if we had to rank all the Arrowverse seasons, Su- Superman at lowest season one remains in the top two. Superman at lowest season two is definitely still top 10. It was an excellent sophomore adding and I'm very happy with how it ended. 
now I'll give you the floor to see what you two thought. Um, I, after like watching it and it sunk in, um, and I felt this way while I was like viewing the progress of the episode, it definitely felt like they had been told, you know, we don't know how the shows are going to be moving forward. So you need to make sure you can wrap up, um, in a way that's satisfactory writing, writing wise. Um, and I think it was a detriment to the episode. Uh, um, what had been a near perfect season for me um, fell short in the finale. And that is just because the storytelling a lot of times uh, was messy or unearned, uh, which it's my least favorite episode of the season, even though it does have some great moments like you mentioned, Michael, that uh, Clovis moment was perfection. I think when Chrissy learns who um, Clark is, his, his alter ego. I love that moment. I love mm-hmm. how excited she gets. I love that the show, you don't like it, Reed? Don't nope. trust her. <laughs> <laughs> I was screaming. I was like, Lois, what are you doing? I don't trust her. <laughs> <laughs> I don't necessarily, I think I, I don't know if I can say I trust Chrissy, but I, I think I can trust Chrissy's relationship with Lois. The right, it might become a problem when it um, comes to the writing. Like when it comes to telling, when she has to write stories for the newspaper. But as far as their friendship goes, I get why they had Lois Teller. Um, I do like that they put a lot of uh, storytelling into how much of a weight it is to carry Clark's secret. And that Mm -hmm. is because they have to carry it too. It's not just Clark's secret. And so they should be able to come to him and tell him they want to tell somebody. And this is why. And this is because the the lying has made it difficult um, and it, it can't be sustained. And I really, I think for me, the favorite, my favorite scene of the, this, of this series, not series, not season finale, um, was between John Henry and Natalie. Mm-hmm. That father-daughter relationship is so heartfelt. Like I'm moved every time they have an emotional scene with each other. And the fact that he, like, you know, she messed up and it's not her fault because she didn't hear him ask her mm-hmm. to bring the XK and the way that he's just like, it's okay. It's okay. Cause what I got, I still got you. And that's what I wanted most of all. And that they, like, even as they're, they're dealing with the fact that, you know, we're going to die. They save the day too. They figure out how to help in the effort to stop Allie. And I was so glad that they weren't sacrificed. Mm-hmm. Um, like you still get that lovely moment, but also they get to go home. And they get to be with their now um, extended family because at this point the Kents are their family too. Um, and I loved uh, when Natalie told the boys that she was happy to have brothers. That was very sweet. That was cute. Yeah, that was a lovely moment. Like their relationship's kind of been like one of the uh, undercurrent parts of the season, and then it's been building up slowly. And it was nice to see that payoff because they haven't had shared as much screen time in the second half as they did in the first half. Mm-hmm. So you always wondered where that development was going. But no, that was a lovely moment. And we used to call it the Kent Lane family. I think now we call it the Kent Lane Irons family. And I love yes. that for all of them. It's a wonderful little dynamic. I'm trying to think of how to pivot into this, but <laughs> were my eyes deceiving me or, or did Candace come back? She did. And mm-hmm. I ignored her because yeah, like, unearned. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about her. <laughs> and so did Jonathan. And I'm not seeing how Lois is going to be cool with that relationship striking up again. Um, next Speaking season. of relationships striking up again. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
Here we go. What did we think of the scene with Sarah and Jordan and the with the bench and with the mural that doesn't have the E in Smallville? Uh, I did not think it was earned. It was one of the scenes on my list of unearned. Uh, the problem was deeper than than Jordan not being honest with her. I, and I do, I appreciated her apology to him about how uh, she had broken trust. But the fact that we like learned this like internally, like it was told and she figured it out internally, it wasn't expressed until that moment. I would have rather seen her recognizing um, that in order for a relationship to thrive, trust is needed throughout the entire season and for that to be actually in the plot. Like if that's what she was working through internally as she was watching her parents, fine, but I needed her to say it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I appreciated the apology because uh, one of my biggest issues with the early on, the storyline early on was the, yes, he was, we knew he was keeping secrets from her and that's not right, but he his hands were tied. She was keeping a big secret from him. And I, I understand she was going through some stuff and that's fine, but she treated him very poorly as a result of it. And this is coming from someone who's always tough on Jordan. The three of us are tough on Jordan, but I yeah. do feel like he deserved a little better out of that story. So I'm glad before it ended, it put a bit of the sheen back on the show's handling of it that she recognized it. But I do agree, since family drama is such a big part of this show, she should have spent more time realizing that on screen instead of so much happening off screen. Yeah, I don't really, I don't know about her apology. I don't know. I just like, I don't care because like, <laughs> it wasn't even his secret to tell. And I, I don't feel, I don't really feel bad because like, he should have kept the secret. He shouldn't mm-hmm. have felt obligated to tell her. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Um, but I have another bone to pick with Sarah. And it's like the smallest moment in the episode. It happened really early on. And after it happened, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I haven't seen anybody talk about it. But it just makes me laugh so much. It's in the beginning. I think she was like on the phone trying to find her dad or something. And she's like by the car and her sister's like, Sarah, the person on the radio is scaring me. <laughs> and Sarah's like on the phone. She's like, hold on. She walks away. Didn't even care about her sister. I was, <laughs> I was howling. I was like, what? <laughs> could not. She couldn't even care or pretend to care about that little girl. Just left her in that car. Her and Lana just like had their back to her. I was like, I was thinking like, is something going to happen to the sister? Because like they turned their backs and I was like, are they going to turn back around and she's gone or something? I was just screaming the whole episode. I couldn't stop <laughs> thinking about that, that small scene. <laughs> Season three, Sophie's going to be in trouble because they ignored her once again. Sophie's <laughs> revenge. Yeah, this is Sophie's <laughs> villain's origin story. It is. It's like Sarah, turn the radio off. It takes two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, nope, I'm on the phone. And the window was down too. She could have done it. Um, yeah, no, I did notice that. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Um, I, I don't know what to say that you, you can't really defend that because like it's such an easy thing to do um the, the, the flash has a similar moment which i tweeted about uh about like logically why would these people do this and we'll get to that later but yeah, yeah you can't defend those moments you can't um but I mean, just to go back to what you were saying about um sarah and the apology i agree um, um like i just i appreciated it because it happened yeah but, yeah um but the yeah it's just it's not analogous and she was treating it like it was uh, in, it was rough this season with Sarah and Jordan. Um, And it had already been sort of like, if you weren't really aboard that uh, relationship, 
this season made it like almost unbearable if you didn't care for the relationship at all, only because that she just could not see past herself and they weren't having her see that she could not see past herself. And then they waited until she's sitting on a bench with five minutes left in the season finale for her to, to really get it. Um, and I, I kind of wish that, I know that's because they had to write it like it was going to be a series finale, but there was more meat there to, for Jordan and Sarah. That's not going to be revisited in season three, I'm sure, because, you know, they already made the statement that they're fine now, but they shouldn't have been fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just like too much to talk about between them for that scene for me at least yeah no that was my bit second biggest issue <laughs> with the finale in that they are described as this emotional heart of the show and we did see that so much throughout season one season two was all about making it a traumatic experience for them and then the signers did find their way to something of a straight and narrow in the last couple of episodes and then they could at least communicate with each other see the previous episode finally ripped that bandaid off give us that big 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 moment where she found out and then they shared one scene together in the finale in the form of a quick wrap up tie up these storylines and we didn't even get to see her learn that Superman was Jordan's father now she saw that he has powers in Smallville which if you've watched Smallville if you've watched Superman Lois, isn't that newsworthy anyone can get powers in Smallville thanks to X Kryptonite so that that to me doesn't feel like that big of a hook. She shouldn't have seen that. I'm like, that's why he hasn't been keeping the secret from me for a year and a half. She should have asked more questions. And she did in the end of the previous episode. And yet in this one, she literally never even referenced Jordan until they shared that scene together in the end. And I feel like for the show, spending two years building that up, there should have been more questions. There should have been more gravity. And that's just, that's just the, uh, the outcome of her fight now so close to the finale. But she should have had that moment where Superman's your father wait, you're in it, you're half alien. Season three is going to take a time jump like all season threes do. There'd, all, there'd be some kind of un, untapped time and we'll not, we'll not get to see that conversation and that feels like such a missed opportunity. Yeah, especially because you would have thought he told her something innocuous, innocuous about it. Like, he's Superman and she's like, okay, so I want to talk about our relationship and how like, I was... <laughs> I messed up and um I know that is just a time issue I do I just wish that the writing hadn't suffered her her priorities are always just kind of like not exactly where they should be (laughs) like she's almost there like she can she's it's within reach but she's just like she's not there yet Uh, every time (laughs) every time she needs to like take more notes from her mom because like I do love that Lana's like main thing this episode was to find Kyle because she does love him but also loving him does not mean that they get back together mm-hmm. like that there is a sort of a um there's a difference there and I love that he didn't see that but she did uh and mm-hmm. I don't know if that means that Tal will be back next season better be Ravana <laughs> <laughs> to try things out with her but I am happy that like she's stuck to where she wants to be in life and that's concentrating on her babies Smallville and being the best mayor that she can be this just came to my mind and we don't have to talk too much about it because we still have to talk about the elephant in the room mm-hmm. um I want a Tao miniseries of him in that bizarro whatever he's in that'd be fun that would be fun yes it would Yes, it would. I feel like if they don't at least give us one episode there next season, that'll be a missed opportunity. And I, if they probably won't because we did Bizarro World this year. 
But like, I, I do think they, that interview with the showrunner, was it the showrunner did say that Tal, they're going to try to get him back as much as they can because they love Adam Rayner and like so on board with that. But it would be nice to see like, what if he became the Superman of that world? That would be cool. Like he, he has some learning to do. Yeah. Like we had to sit through, oh, I shouldn't say it like that, but Disney Plus gave us Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's like, can we get six <laughs> episodes of Tal? doing what he's doing now like that's fun for me <laughs> it is fun make it a um cwtv.com exclusive or something yeah or just I'm... like make it like a holiday event yes no it doesn't have towel. to it doesn't have to be a holiday themed episode but like air it through the holidays True. yeah like, once again just throwing out free ideas <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah, no, I would love that. And I, and I hope we see more of him. I honestly thought he was going to die because the fact is he disappeared. We all thought he died. And then we find out that was Bizarro Tal. The moment he disappeared, I was like, he's going to come back in that class black coat in the finale and help save the day. And that's exactly what he did. But when they shoot him off to Ali Alston very, very early on, I was like, he's not going to make it out of this. Because I knew Superman. I, remember, I watched the trailer. I knew Superman or Clark was going to do that dramatic. There's only one person who can save them. Me. My God. <laughs> um, uh, Clark being dramatic for no reason. <laughs> so I knew that was going to happen. So I was like, Tal's not going to save the day here. So thank again, thank God for Jordan. Jordan really came through yet again. Well, okay. He did, he did. He we, saved, I, he saved yeah, we can God. give Jordan credit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like to give that that kid too much. But. <laughs> yeah, he saved his uncle. Tal got them uh, monster shocks in, uh, in uh, return for it. But um. All in all, I'm glad Tal made it out alive because a lot of the times the shows never know how to handle their season one villain. Usually that ends in a season two redemption where they sacrifice themselves. Again, Superman at Lois subverted their expectations. So I think we will see him again in season three, but not quite as frequently as we did in season two. But like, as long as he's back, that's good enough for me. Yeah, quick aside about Tal though. He had to have gotten those um, trucks delivered to Smallville. There is no dealership in that town that would sell the trucks. <laughs> with what? Who was buying that in Smallville? <laughs> <laughs> could have just flown the man rather than getting delivery people to do it. <laughs> he could have. And now he can't, um, Clark can't even sell those. Because uh, Tal is Tal's not even on their earth. Uh, those 15 year olds don't need those trucks. Please just sell it and buy something for the town. I don't. <laughs> or Tony <they> can, problems. <laughs> yes. Put it in a trust fund or something. Because my goodness. Don't um, but, to Lana. <laughs> oh, yes. <for> town. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But the element in the room is the Arrowverse connection or lack thereof. Um, what was it? Sam got two sentences and looking up towards the sky and then we were right back to the plot. And that was it. Mm, yeah um the arrowverse outsider let me let me get my thought out of the way because it's not uh, yeah yeah um i thought it was so clunky (laughs) (laughs) like i know they just threw that in it was so unnatural to me even as an outsider i was like he said that and i was like that's it that's (laughs) how they're gonna explain this away i don't know i thought it was a little lazy but i know their hands are tied i know there's only so much they could do but like there could have been a better line of dialogue to mm-hmm. sneak that into other than that very clunky monologue. <laughs> yeah. No, what's that meme in it? Two months exposition. That's exactly what it felt like. Uh, it's like, we have to tell people this and we don't know how, but we'll use Sam to do it. 
no, on a dialogue point, I know I've I've rewatched it back and tried to just take myself out and think, what would the average viewer think when watching that? And I was like, that's still a badly written line. It just yeah, here's it, your it, average viewer. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I don't know, no. And I just praised that other scene from the episode. And my biggest issue with the episode was that came next. So I was trying to watch this goosebump and do see moment with this in the back of my mind. And it didn't work uh, that that soured the rest of the finale for me. Cause like I said, I really enjoyed it as an episode. Um, so yes, to anyone who doesn't understand what that meant, Sam Lane said to his uh, grandsons that uh, there are other worlds out there. I've seen legions of super leagues of superheroes and uh, across every earth, but on this earth, we only have your father and he's the best of them all. And yes, that was a reference to earth primes, uh, Justice League, uh, which consists of the likes of The Flash, Batwoman, uh, Supergirl, um, well, formerly The Green Arrow, and of course, Tyler Hecklin, Superman. But now we've learned that the Tyler Hecklin, Superman, the Bitsy Tullock, Lois Lane, the Jenna, Dewan, Lucy Lane, and the John, or David Ramsey, John Diggle that we met on the first three on Supergirl and the other one on Arrow, those versions of those characters are not the same ones we met in Superman at Lois why wait two seasons to tell us that 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 didn't sit right with me it felt like they were trying to capitalize on a really popular product here and that superman project does not need to capitalize on that kind of property it was disrespectful to supergirl for introducing superman lois and uh, lucy it was disrespectful to arrow for introducing john diggle it's disrespectful to the whole universe as we go on crisis on infinite earth ages so pearly because it was designed to create a new arrowverse to bring black lightning and supergirl onto the same earth as all the rest of the shows and then black lightning and supergirl and batwoman and legends have all ended leaving only the flash and superman at lois and now we learned that that superman that's part of earth prime is also not the same superman and superman at lois which means superman and lois had baby jonathan on supergirl and then after Crisis rewrote everything, we find out that they had the boys. Yes, honey, your sons, as Lois said. So now Earth Prime Superman has twin boys, which aren't the same twin boys we met in Superman at Lois. Why rewrite all that just to change it later in the game? Why does Earth Prime Superman not have baby Jonathan anymore? Because that was clearly setting up Superman at Lois. And somewhere along the line, someone's looked at Superman at Lois and said, you know what, let's separate it from the rest of the world. And because they've been so like secretive about it, it works, but it's disrespectful. It's unnecessary. And it means that the Arrowverse is dying a lot quicker than we thought it would. Because once the Flash goes, there is no linear Arrowverse show left. Stargirl sat on Earth 2 and uh, Superman Lois is sat on who knows what Earth. But the Justice League of Earth Prime that we learned about, all of them will be gone after the Flash ends. And that, to me, does not sit right. And it soured what I, I thought was a fantastic finale. It really hurts my brain. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> it, it hurts it my hurt, heart. It hurts theirs as well. I don't know about the heart, but the brain. Um, the I was bothered by it because they could have... I mean, that was a line that, that he could have said at the beginning of the season, and it would not have mattered. Um, I just... If it hadn't if it hadn't been teased that they were going to have a connection... Uh, to the Arrowverse in the season two finale, I don't think I would have been as bothered by it. Like, it's one of those things like, oh, they said that. Well, that was rather poor. Hopefully they do something better in season three. I, if, if the Arrowverse is dead, then it's dead. But like, 
I don't like how it has been, like how they're laying it in the grave. It feels like they're tossing it six feet deep and like um, wanna just wash their hands of it, which is not, it's really disrespectful to um, what came before, but also it's still people in tights, y'all. The, the tone is just different. Like Superman and Lois is not simply superior because it takes itself more seriously than say Legends and the Flash did, whoever, who've been goofy. Um, goofiness is fun. Seriousness is, it can, can be fun and compelling and, and um, really have you tuning in. I don't see why one is better than the other. It's all just comes down to personal taste. I'm personally someone who enjoys both. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that it's not that, oh, we're going to get a much better superhero television now that Superman and Lois are around and DC wants to elevate what they bring to the CW. And it's like, Y'all the same people that were really enjoying The Flash in its first seasons and Arrow in its first seasons. Like, just because we're a a decade past now, let's not be brand new and Mm. pretend like we weren't, like you weren't enjoying the shows before um, because they didn't have the same tone as Superman and Lois. um, And they were still drawing huge audiences. I mean, that's why um, Comic-Con was the place to be. Uh, once Arrow was on and Flash was on and they were doing all these crossovers. Did it get messy at the end? Does Is it nonsensical now? Uh, does it have a lot of issues with it? Sure. But that's the truth. That's the true about any show that goes past at least like four seasons if they didn't have a plan going forward. Um, and the Flash is showing signs of that um, and has been for since season four, in my opinion. Um and the finale did not help that. <laughs> so I guess we can we can let Superman and Lois lie for right now. We'll um, give it a little break, but we'll be back to it later. Yeah, because <laughs> we want we want so much for for it. And that Arrowverse connection wasn't it. That wasn't. I mean, I'm not. No, it just wasn't. It was, <laughs> yeah, there's, <laughs> I a can't better, there, there's a better way to do that. I feel yeah. like. Just from like a writing perspective, not even as like a fan perspective, like there could have been a much more brief aside, like what about Kara? And they were just like, oh, she's not on this earth. Perfect. Great. Oh, maybe not Mm -hmm. perfect. But like that would have been for me better than Sam screaming and going off about that. (laughs) As boats are falling out of the sky. Yes. Just mention Kara once. Please, um, like, I just don't, it doesn't mean that Melissa's coming. Just tell us, the, the, uh, just say her name. It just seems odd that mm-hmm. they won't reference the other super. Um, I know I just said that we were going to leave Superman and Lois alone, but that one, that one more note. To, like, just, yeah. <laughs> It's the biggest, that's the, it's understandable. <laughs> yes. Mention her, mention her girl. Um, speaking of either us, our women, Iris um, in The Flash, I'm going to start with her uh, because I do think the writing around her in the finale was spectacular uh, as far as uh, seeing her quote unquote level up because uh, she ignited the spark and they, they gave a, they gave a connection for why all the time sickness is happening and once more trying to flesh out that's that storyline. It still does not acknowledge that she had it in season seven, but um, and I will not let it go, but it's, it is what it is. I gra- glad that they've established her as the survivor. We already knew that she was glad that she was able to save herself, glad that she's back with her husband and that we reignited the spark. 
um, but let the girl, let the woman live, let her thrive, please. Like now that we've done all that, I don't want any more. Um, she can be like no more put in serious danger and um, threat of being deleted from the timeline anymore. No. Let's just be done with it. Yeah. And I have to say, I really appreciated the spark conversation because for me, that was wonderful, but it also highlighted a major issue with the last two seasons. And then I forgot that spark was a thing because they don't talk about it enough. It's just like me who's watched every episode at least twice, forgot that spark was a thing. And that's not good enough for your leading lady and leading man. Like that, that core relationship is the foundation of the show. And that should have been a thing that should have been mentioned more. And it's like, we see this an awful lot with the show and that one episode, one great episode has to do a lot of work, a lot of overriding to make sure we're aware of everything because the rest of the season didn't. Mm -hmm. But I will say I enjoyed that. It was great to see Iris back, smile on my face when she first appeared in that alternate dimension thing with Damien Dark. Um, That was great to say because she's not dead and uh, she's alive and she'll be back for season nine. Um, so yeah, that's a big victory for me. That that was probably my favorite part of the finale. Yeah, and with reigniting the spark, I didn't realize the spark was dead. Uh, at least in the storytelling, is this a metaphorical spark? No, it's in the literal one. So like when actually read cliffhanger and like tell us what you watched. I, I just know. I was like waiting. I was like, did you guys not want to know if I actually watched it? <laughs> I do. Did you watch? I did watch it. Hi. <laughs> I might take most of my thoughts to the grave or at least the group chat, but at okay. least I have context for this discussion. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, it's a literal spark. So when Iris says that, um, when Barry often says that Iris is his lightning rod, that's true. Over the course of the series, whenever he hasn't really had his powers, the minute she touches him or um, she thinks of him in, in a very powerful way, his powers come back. Uh, and it's it's like between the two of them. There's also Michael. That's that is that season um, is that season six or seven where she's hold like she's touching the whatever ball that is, and she has to repower the speed force. I have blocked season seven out of my mind, but yes, no, that was the start of season seven. Uh, wasn't it when Barry lost his speed for the one millionth time? He needed to build an artificial speed force, and wasn't she the spark that ignited it or something, yeah, something like yeah. that? So uh, yeah. So she is literally, she was always the metaphorical spark and there was a spark between them. But from season seven onward, she became the literal spark of the speed force. Yeah. So like they, so when he was screaming and scaring his children uh, because he was trying to murder somebody, he was, it wasn't just that like he thought she was dead. He knew she was dead because he couldn't feel the spark. If he can't feel the spark, she's gone. Mm -hmm. Um, Speaking of the kids, that threw me was not expecting the kids to be grown-ups. <laughs> oh, yeah, they haven't met that. Like, I watched seven seasons of Once Upon a Time. I've watched <laughs> parents be the same age as their child. But, like, when they said dad in every scene, I was still like, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it was every scene they said dad. I'm yeah. just yeah. going to put that observation out and not have any um, commentary on it. <laughs> uh to, to watch the flash season yet seasons in out of contacts uh i wonder what that was like um it was uh, an interesting experience chaotic i'm assuming chaotic uh, yeah yeah okay yeah because yeah. that Can't episode did the most yeah, yeah yeah we'll talk about it afterwards um, i will say the on most. the pod um we you guys have talked about cecile and i get it now she was a lot <laughs> yeah. 
which so just to, to have a little Cecile moment when she was yelling at Barry, well, not yelling, but like when she was trying to rein him in um, because he was flying off the handle, which by the way, unhinged Barry over Iris is one of my favorite berries. It's Where has he been all season? Not here. And he needed to be. <laughs> Uh, but like she was like you need to calm down and I was like Cecile not when you were like she doesn't remember this but not when you were yelling at Iris about her dad because Iris wanted to believe he was alive and you didn't believe that I know they explained it away by saying that she was feeling everybody's grief and that's why she was so mad but the audacity of a woman to be like that has been in a relationship with him for six years to be yelling at his daughter because mm-hmm. she wants to believe that he's alive and wants to actually um figure that part out it it took a lot of people out it just mm-hmm. truly everyone was like cecile take several seats disappear from the screen for the rest <laughs> of the armageddon event because you don't get to do that <laughs> yeah and then you know what what absolutely took me out in the finale was that uh, after uh iris died in front of them Cecile was like, I need to go call Joe and let him know we're all okay. Like, they're not okay. <laughs> Iris died. <laughs> I thought what you were going to say took you out. because This is what took me out when Barry just sat down in the street and started meditating. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> See, that, that's, uh, well, okay, I say the importance of context. I needed to research afterwards because I forgot. He was channeling the still force, am I right? Because, uh, he, he last did that with Nora in the Still Force like six episodes ago in the episode Into the Still Force. Um, I think that's what he was supposed to be doing because all four forces showed up and gave him the power of all of them. So he had this power, power of speed still. Wish I could remember what the other two did. And uh, so that was, he was channeling the power of the Still Force to reverse the time. Uh, yeah, it's again out of context. I'm sure that looked wonderful. Um, uh, but okay, no, you know what really took me out, and I told Sabrina about this last night was when the reverse flash showed up. Yeah, the man in the yellow suit anymore. When he showed up in that big bulky black suit and started killing people with his red lightning. I hated it. Yeah. <laughs> Team it Flash. Bad. Team Flash watched it on tv oh my god it's fun and i'm like the four of you are speedsters and you're literally watching him kill people with lightning and they did nothing about it i know in the end the woman that was hanging out with cecile with the center part is that that allegra was oh allegra okay allegra okay they never Um, said her name and i didn't know who she was (laughs) i was was trying to put names to faces (laughs) allegra had like not much to do she did absolutely nothing and i say that with all due respect (laughs) <laughs> she was sick, so you wouldn't even know that she has light powers no, like that would have come in handy would have like, never known no um but to the so they were calling the suit the satan suit online mm-hmm. and i was losing it um but also i can't with the meditating and that's the way that like we defeated um what is it negative reverse flash like I get, like you mentioned, Michael, that it was the the callback to what he had been doing um, when they were in the Silvers. Mm-hmm. Um, like fine, but it, the also the rewind, like after um, Dawn is like basically killing the entirety of downtown Central City, and they rewind back to the moment where he was, and I was like, but Barry, the people who died before that you were are watching still on TV. dead, <laughs> like, including the pe- including the people in the plane that you threw to the side. Yeah. After reverse flash through the plane at you, like that just as if they're still there are mass casualties. Why did this turn into a Marvel property? It wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> like 
so many people were dead and they're like we saved the day and i was like are we holding a memorial because we need to yeah for the people who actually died i feel like there wasn't enough no no there were a lot of stakes in the final battle and this goes back to Eric Wallace confirmed that they wrote that like a series finale and it was always going to be about the Flash versus the reverse Flash. Anyone who's seen the Flash from the very beginning will know that the man in the yellow suit, again, it's not yellow anymore, was the big arch enemy of the show. I do respect that there will never be a bigger bad than him. So it made sense to end what could have been your series finale with him. But... I didn't want to see the flash meditating and the reverse flash disappearing into this atmosphere for like the 10th time. We've done that before. Not the flash meditating. That was weird. We don't need to do that again. Um, uh, I tell you, I screamed. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. It felt larger than life, but not necessarily for all the right reasons. Again, the Flash speedster stuff can't really do battles. This is not Arrow or Batwoman. It's not about the fight choreography, but I did want to see a little bit more than one race, a lot of CGI airplanes and a lot of meditating. Um, I'm glad the show will go on, as the Queen said, but now that the reverse Flash is gone, I fear what they're going to introduce to try to be the next big bad because I, you can't get bigger than him. So I do hope that the long game is that he will return in the final season. And I know it will be tired and done, 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 done at that point. But they deserve a final better battle than a better final battle than that because that was very, very, very weird. It was going so well until the meditating start, started. Even the reunion between Barry and Iris felt a little bit flat because they were just going through the motions at running everything through. Also, can I just say, I did not know that Jay Garrick and Joan Garrick were from the future. I thought they were the versions in the present. They aged very the well. The guy for the Dawson's dad with the weird yes. hat? Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. yes. I didn't know what was up with them. <laughs> Jay and Joan, or well, Joan's not, but Jay is a speedster in the present. He's been there. He was originally on Earth 3, but then Crisis rewrote it that he was on the same Earth. But uh, he looks like Barry's father because obviously it's the same actor. And uh, they li- they're alive in the present. They do. They live in the present, but also they're, they're from 24. There's a version of them in 2049. My goodness, they age very, very well if they look exactly the same in 2049. Um, but I did not know this was the Jay and Joan from 2049 because the Jay from the present pops up all the time. The Jay from the present wanted to retire like two years ago. And now we know he's still a speedster in 2049. Like, fair play to him. Um, but yeah, they didn't explain that very well at all. Um, but all in all, it was a solid finale, a very, very weird and goofy finale. It was, I, I, I said before it aired, because I had seen it, that it was bonkers, goofy, over the top and wild. And I do believe it was all of those things. Not necessarily for the right reasons, but considering how messy the season's been, I was happy with how it ended, even if it could have ended a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, for a season eight ending, given the quality of season eight, when uh because you always for this season you always have to like cut out the portions that are good mm-hmm. um because it, it did if you ignore certain things it's, it's a good season um mm-hmm. but it's I, I don't want to watch the season of television and ignore the majority of what happened to be able to say this was good um and this this season finale i thought was decent uh i was like laughing during most of it only because it was given during the battle sequence i was like why is it power rangers and <laughs> I think the whole thing is given from the suit down to all the colors and the lightning. I thought that it, was cute, though. 
it was cute but All i was colors <laughs> <laughs> well, not, and to, then... not to hit the flash with the great gowns beautiful gowns but <laughs> <laughs> but like yeah it was cute i just i wasn't used to that amount of color um though at once like if that was what we were dealing with from the beginning i probably wouldn't have made the power rangers preference but it just felt very um the zo- the zoids are coming the zoids are coming <laughs> uh, our powers combined like <laughs> but i did it was a nice sequence uh i don't know who the big bad is going to be even though they teased it really well i'm intrigued um they could have done better with that Caitlin ending. That did not make me want to see what happened. <laughs> what, what happened to her in the cooler? Oh, I tell you, I was so disappointed by that. <laughs> was that supposed to be Daniel Panabaker's voice? Uh, yeah, yes, she's coming yes. back. Yeah, that's that it, yes. was that her voice? That it, was her voice. Yeah, yes. it did not sound um, like her to me. Um, oh, it wasn't supposed. To, she's supposed to. It's she's a combination, right, Michael, of something. We don't know. It's supposed. To, yeah, with the thought that we're going to. So basically, Caitlin went into that freeze container or whatever it is um last in the last episode i have to say they spaced that out very well by giving it one or two huge scenes a bookend in every episode and i think mm-hmm. that was because they had to write daniel panabaker out um so they've been using her very sparingly but every single one of those scenes was better than that teaser we got in the finale that was such a letdown for me and so we don't know who it is in there but have we seen the last of caitlin it suggests that they wanted to bring frost back by putting her back in Caitlin's body, like like the two of them were together at the start, that would be cool. But that's not what's happening after all. What we've now got is a new merge of the characters that's not either one of them, but could be something else. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that'll be. I think we're going. I think she's going to be a new major presence in season nine. I don't know what she'll look like because Cross's gone through quite a few looks over the years. So how do you make it different? Obviously, there's going to be ice involved, but. That was not a good teaser. The show has been very, very, I have to say, have been doing an expert job of teasing that storyline over the last couple of episodes. But that was the worst part of it because that was such a huge letdown. And I know they probably didn't have Danielle on set. It made total sense. But just if, if, if the penultimate episode had better scenes than the finale, you've got a problem. And that's exactly what that was for me. Yeah, I wanted to close the cooler door right on that. Because <laughs> just, just, I forgot all about them And Mark did not know what was going on In Central City at all He was passed yeah. out on the desk He would have thought um, Like he just was not aware um, Of anything He would have thought that it was happened Like earlier in the day And they rewound time for us But they did not do that um, And I want I said this in my interview With Tassar Muhammad, But I really want her to be in season 9 I know Mina doesn't have powers anymore But I'm still manifesting Would love to see her Especially with that great um, line she has where she says if you need anybody mm-hmm. um, you can call me I have so much love for that character and I really this is my issue like again one of my favorite things about the finale just like one of my favorite things about the season seven finale they don't we like team flash for the finale they we like the flash family just the speedsters and I love to see that and yet and now after this it feels like we're going back to the same old same as the B team, as we like to call them, Chester, Allegra and Cecile are going to be, again, hugely important members of Team Flash, whereas the kids, Mina, Jay Garrick, all of them are going to be written off into the sunset and then wheeled out for next season's finale as well. And I'm like, if people love these characters so much. You said wheeled. <laughs> I just saw them on the, um, um, on the dolly. It was a lot. <laughs> Wait, so the kids aren't in it in every episode? They just like, Oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah. They live in twenty forty nine. They always wheel them out for like mid season finales, season premieres, season finales. (laughs) No, 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 no. We're not doing that. No, Um, we're not. Go ahead. uh, 
And so, yeah, that's disappointing for me that we can't uh, see them more seasons. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, 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 we're not doing that. <laughs> well, okay, to explain, so they can't, they can't do that all the time. And Jessica and, and Jordan also have like, schedules for something else. But um, they're, they're good to be sprinkled in because they're a lot. Um, they're, you didn't get to see it this episode, Reed, but the, they're not twins yet. I'm hoping that they correct the timeline and they make them twins, but they're very, they're puppies. Like it's, it's a lot of Yeah, energy, there was one scene where the Bart was like, they cut back to him in the close up and he was crying. And I was like, wait, this like really escalated quickly emotionally. Yeah. I, I missed it. <laughs> oh yeah. I think, I think Jordan might've been going for a bit there and they had cut like, and they just brought it back. I was like, y'all should have gave us the scenes before that because it, he was dry. And then you cut back to him and it's uh, waterworks. <laughs> Great moment. But I was like, wait a second. When did he start crying? <laughs> um, uh, no, I, that's the thing. I feel like all of those characters are great. I would watch them all the time. Mm-hmm. And then we have Seal with her floating coffee cup. and uh, The telekinesis. Yeah, Seal is now the laven, guys. This is what we're going for. Um, uh, yeah. Um, so apparently, the, since they took all her new powers away, but she helped save the day, Eric Wallace has decided to reward her by awarding her a new power instead. And I'm like, that's not how powers work, but can't wait to see how that turns out. And so, yeah, now she's she's no longer the most powerful meta in Central City, but she has new powers that could make her the most powerful meta in Central City. So, uh, yay, Cecile. Um, I hope they use her right. Joe's not going to be in next season, bar five episodes. So I get, hopefully she'll have some serious stuff to work with and not the goofy stuff they like to work that character with. But I hope we see more of the Flash family and less of Team Flash. Not going to happen, but I'm going to say it anyway and manifest it. Yeah, manifesting all of that, Michael, because even the, I know we have to wrap up this, but there's a lot to unpack from the season eight finale. One of them being supposedly all the forces um, connected to somebody to stay grounded into reality and just um, the sage first, like, uh, glomped on to her and I was like okay but where was where where was I guess the speed force was with Barry or I, like who where was she and then where was mm-hmm. the still force then if they if he connected to somebody else and um it's is that this what is Suarez's force what is the name of it is it just strength it's a strength force isn't it yes totally okay. forgot that and then the other one is the sage force that's right isn't it um so that's what the four of them are. Like, I was just so happy to see Speed Force Nora back. Um, uh, you see, we've called her our gothic queen. Um, and Michelle Harrison was working overtime in that finale, playing Joan Garrick and Speed Force Nora. Um, that was great to say. And uh, yeah, it was nice to see the forces back because I do not like, I did not like the forces storyline, but I do like the forces. So it was nice to see them show up in the end. Um, all in all, it was a solid end. It was a solid end to probably a season that would rank somewhere in the middle for me. There was so much good in it, but also a lot of bad. But yeah, I was happy with how it ended, even if it didn't have to be, it didn't have to go all out on the goofiness like it did. But all in all, it was solid. Before we move on, Iris was objectively my favorite. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm glad to hear that. I'm yep. glad, so to, glad hear to hear that. Candace <laughs> so lights up the screen. She is amazing. Give her more things to do. I mean, Eric said that they are going to do that. that Barry and Iris will have scenes. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. we can hope. Look, I'll say that, you know, I, I don't like Damien Dark. I have a very hard time with Damien Dark. That was not the cameo that everyone was looking forward to seeing in the finale. 
Um, mm-hmm. He was the Arrow season four, Big Bad. He was the Big Bad of Legends of Tomorrow seasons two and three. And yet, he may have, even though he killed Laurel Lance, I will never, ever, ever forgive them for that. That character works so well outside of Arrow. He worked brilliantly on Legends of Tomorrow and he worked, works brilliantly on The Flash. Those scenes with uh, Candace slash Iris were among my favorites of the episode. He is so good when he's used right and she is just so good all the time. And uh, getting to see that spark be reignited and knowing that beautiful scene between the two of them at the end, uh, Barry and Iris, and knowing that she's going to be a part of season nine, I have to say, for the first time, I'm excited for West Allen. I just hope that it's not naive and that I'm not disappointed in the future. Yes, same. Also, shout out to Iris's sweater. The sweater <laughs> game was on lock in The Flash, just like it was on Superman and Lois. Um, it's really a great look. <laughs> like she always has great looks, but it was like so good. Really good. Okay, well, that wraps up The Flash for now. I mean, this is going to spill into the group chat. <laughs> Most likely, it's just so much to talk about. Um, I don't know, where do we go from here, though? We all, like, what do you want to discuss? I mean, there's other things that we're watching, I guess we can go through quickly. Okay. Um, I caught up on In the Dark three episodes. It was a wild ride. Murphy was in jail trying to keep herself alive. Um, she gets herself caught up in another drug ring because naturally that's what Murphy does. A whole mess with this audiobook thing where she's trying to get drugs to this woman in exchange for her safety. She ends up getting bailed out. She accidentally takes the book home with her with the drugs in it. She has to get it back to the jail. She's got the cops looking after her. Pretzel has a health scare that had my blood pressure rising. <laughs> <laughs> And I think the biggest kicker for me is that I had said earlier in the pod, and I'll get through this quickly, I promise, um, that I didn't see a path to make her and Max endgame. And they were like, hold my beer. I'll prove you wrong. <laughs> Max and Murphy had a had a, a moment, a big moment. He cheated on Leslie with her. and oh. And Felix found out. They tried to lie and keep it from him, but he found out anyway. So I'm intrigued to see how this goes because it. I don't know who Max really loves. So it'll be interesting to see in these next, um, the rest of the season because we're only on episode five, which will be the two-part Murphy trial, which should also be very explosive. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have not seen an episode of In the Dark at all, but given the context that you've provided to us, Reed, Murphy doesn't know what a good decision looks like. No. <laughs> no, not if it tripped her, not if it punched her in the face, not if it gave her a hug. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say I'm really enjoying this season because I wasn't, um, I didn't really love season three. It just felt like it took itself a little too seriously and did a lot of the same things was in a lot of the same spaces the stakes remain the same for most of the season and this one's just been a really like up and down especially just in the first four episodes we're like we're in jail we're out of jail we're going to court i don't know it's a, it's a good season so far sounds like a ride um from what i've read of growls in mexico which i am not caught up caught up on um to be honest i forgot like i was like preparing for the pod and i realized 
I have three episodes of Rise of Mexico to watch, and I have yet to do so. I have read a recap, though, so I know that, unfortunately, Mimi is gone. She passed away unexpectedly. Um, and so there's a whole episode dedicated to her passing and um, how, of course, Maria feels about it. And Liz, I know when I do tune in, I'm going to be very lost when it comes to the aliens who are trying to, I guess, start the alighting. alighting. Uh, but Michael is undercover trying to get them to trust him so that he can get information so that sounds like a bad but good time like he's not I know they like to write him as like the smoothest person he's not but (laughs) like so I'll see if uh, from my understanding the Bonnie likes him Clyde does not I'm like of course that would be the thing of course he's able to connect more to the girl than he is Mm -hmm. um to the guy and the guy has to be very suspicious um, meanwhile, Alex is still missing. I do know that Alex is missing and Michael, if the recap I read is right, Michael doesn't know. <laughs> and he's been missing and Alex has been missing yeah. since episode two. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> and and they, they, they don't know. It's giving um, Barry and Iris all over again. <laughs> yeah, like, to be fair to like Michael, apparently like Alex just was supposed to be going to go do something. So, um, though you would think he's his boyfriend, he would check in. Like Every you're not getting phone calls yeah. <laughs> unless someone has the phone. Maybe the the big bad has the phone, and she's just sitting up. It's like I'm, I checked in. I'm good. <laughs> like can't talk. It's reception bad, and he just accepts <laughs> it. I don't. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but so no Razzle New Mexico update besides what I've been able to cobble from the internet. Um, perhaps. I will be caught up at some point. I'm not going to say by next pod. <laughs> at this point, my track, record, my track record is not good. Of course, I am caught up on Dynasty. So I, I do need to issue a correction because I think I said like two weeks ago before Ben was on that he had never been mentioned on the show. Apparently, I was incorrect. And I had forgotten that in season two, when Fallon goes to Paris, she sees her cousin, Juliet, who is Ben's mm-hmm. daughter did not remember that so i don't know maybe michael remember he just recently watched the paris episodes was that i don't was, yes was that i remember obvious? her that, okay. was a very, that was a very very quirky character yeah did not remember her it's been so much has happened since then mm-hmm. so i forgot about that but um yeah i really love ben and i wish they would have brought him on sooner because we only get like eight episodes with him if he's gonna be in more than two or three but he's suing blake for half of the dynasty which is oh, beautiful <laughs> it's the soap opera we want Blake wants nothing to do with him because he blames Ben for killing their mother which I don't know who I believe but he didn't it wasn't like an intentional like killing so like there's obviously that's why there's bad blood because they have different truths um I will say in the original Alexis brought Ben to town to kind of wreak havoc but Alexis is on her honeymoon living her best life so I don't know if that's the truth for this the for the reboot but um Dominique does seem to be teaming up with Ben, her other half brother, to mm-hmm. sort of take down Blake, which is fun. We'll see how how long that lasts because Dominique gets bored easily. <laughs> <laughs> um, they also threw the Pride Party, which was a little more Party City than I was hoping for, but it was cute. It was a cute story for Sammy Joe to kind of unpack what he's been feeling this season and getting back into his identity. Um, uh, Fallon did pop into the Pride Party for the weirdest one season uh, one scene with Amanda it was so like Fallon was home and then she was suddenly in full glam at this pride party to have a conversation with her sister and then like the next scene she's home in a robe and the party's still going on so I don't know what was going on there but 
uh, Fallon was giving like California girls, Katy Perry. She had the blue wig with bangs, like a sparkly uh, rainbow dress. It was one of Liz's best looks. Um, but in this episode, Fallon also um, dresses as Laura Dern from Jurassic Park. Oh my goodness. <laughs> because her surrogate is going on an archaeology dig and she and she enlists Adam to go to this dig to sabotage it because she she didn't have the like she didn't want to tell her surrogate no i don't want you to go on this because i want you know i don't want to not see you for two months i don't want to be with my baby for two months so she was like i know i can just sabotage it and get it shut down (laughs) (laughs) so she does that and i also do want to say like there are people shipping fallon with her surrogate and like i get it like I get it, right? Like that scene, there's a scene that was kind of like, it was heartfelt, but I'm like, they did not do all this work with Fallon and Liam Mm -hmm. for in the last run of eight episodes to be like, Fallon's in love with her surrogate. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't know. Have fun shipping, but like, don't get your hopes up. Like, (laughs) let that just be like a super cut for a Twitter fan cam. (laughs) Yeah. Like uh, true, do have fun, but uh, be realistic. Like, could you imagine if like the show ends and it ends with obviously um her and Liam uh, and like there's angry shippers and it's just like y'all had you uh, there was eight episodes. <laughs> like the writing's <laughs> on the wall. Like Fallon and Liam have to be endgame at this point. Like I don't know, um, but yeah, I really enjoyed the episode. Um, I'm still really curious about that one random Fallon scene at the pride party I was like did Liz catch wind of it and she was like I need to be in this pride party because <laughs> she didn't actually go into the pride party it was just like outside the club with Amanda like I don't know it was really weird but it was a good episode it's good it sounds fun um which I mean dynasty is all the time but I'm intrigued by uh Blake taking well what Ben wanting to take Blake for half the company yeah that, that's such a soapy line. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, it's also attached to, you're the reason my mom was died is dead. Yeah. <laughs> and and he was like cut out of the dad's will and everything. And now he's like, I want it back. It's my time. So R- I guess this is, yeah, this is what we're going to get into for the last few episodes. Nice. I hope it ends really well. I think it is. I, with Every time you talk about Dynasty Reed, um, I'm like, they know what they're doing. They yeah. know who I'm they not are. worried. I'm never worried about them. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just did briefly touch on like Tom Swift. I'm a bit worried about Tom Swift. Um, the show or the character? The um, the show for the character. Um, and that's mm-hmm. only because um, I do like every episode that Tom mm-hmm. learns a lesson. But um, it is starting to be like, this doesn't seem like the things that he learned previously, he's bringing into the next episode. Um, and that was most glaring in his hallway conversation mm-hmm. with uh, Zenzi, in which he couldn't take a moment to realize that like the um, cotillion is a lot for her. And the fact that he belittled her at the same time mm-hmm. um, and just didn't want to, she's supposed to be his best friend, but she, he can't take a moment. Like, you can't understand why it, it bothers him that he's dismissing her like that. I was like, it just didn't feel true to what we know about Tom now, or at least that where he should be. And what is that, episode four? Yeah, that no, that was my biggest issue with the episode because it's that scene stuck out for two reasons. At one point, I was like, yes, yeah, Zenzi, take him down because that was an amazing comeback. But on the other hand, yeah, I used to say the same thing about Oliver Queen on Arrow. They learn important life-changing lessons. 
And then in the next episode, it would literally be like clean slate reset. And that's something you usually see in sitcoms. And I hate it when they try to bring it into dramas. I know Tom Swift does comedy really well, but I felt like that hurt his character more just because of how closely knit these last couple of episodes have been. If it had been maybe 10 episodes down the line, that would have been fine. People make mistakes, whatever. But it was too, that was too close together for me. He's learned those lessons before. And it's not even the fact that he made the mistake of dismissing her. It's how he dismissed her by saying, let's get this unremarkable drama out of the way. I just didn't feel that whatsoever. Yeah, it's, it's rough because I do actually enjoy Tom Swift as a whole. Um, mm-hmm. So I just want that portion of it to be a bit better, especially because um, Tina does a great job of balancing uh Tom's arrogance and his unwillingness to listen with Tom's vulnerability. And when he does actually listen, like I really like, I wish I could remember Claire's sister's name, um, but they, the fact that he took the time to study their drawings um, and the, mm-hmm. the design concepts and wants to elevate them to a new position in the company um, after taking a moment to like really check in, I thought that was great. I thought him, the way he helped Lino's mom in that, like mm-hmm. thinking on his feet to get the monocle AR so that you could show um, the garden so she would calm down. That was really cool. So I just want, like, I just want one line where he gets it, not um, when he's arguing, rather than like he comes off very abrasive and doesn't want to listen and then goes about his mission. And then we come back and like Zenzi's apologizing to him or he's saying something after having some internal moments. And I just want him to, like, explicitly say um how he's feeling about fights like that rather than coming back like we wrap the episode he's learned his lesson now he apologizes in the next episode i can prepare for him to be doing the exact same thing yeah they do that a lot with fallon on dynasty and she sometimes to varied success she learns her lesson and it carries over but i think she's really good at understanding what she did wrong and how she can contribute to other people's pain Um, But I will say this episode of Tom Swift um, fell victim once again to my inability to concentrate after Superman and Lois. So I was like, (laughs) I can't, nothing's computing, nothing's sticking in my brain. And I wasn't enjoying the first half of the episode. And I don't know if that was why, because I I couldn't concentrate or if I just like, this was just a a weaker episode to me, which is fine. Like we all have uh, weeks where we don't really love everything that a show does. But um, I think I'm gonna have to revisit this one. I feel you because I'm um, coming off of the Superman and Lois season two finale. I um, was like rushing and I was watching and I was like, I'm we're 15 minutes in and I'm here, but I'm not here. Yeah. Like, my brain is still in Smallville, <laughs> um, which is why I, like, I agree, Reed, um, with what you said. I think it was last pod. They should never have paired these two together. It's, there's too much happening on Superman and Lois to then jump in to, to Tom Swift, which is giving you a lot of um, different textures and trying to like, it's not that you can't keep up with Tom Swift. It's just that like if your your brain has already slowed down mm-hmm. for Superman and Lois, trying to pick that speed back up for Tom Swift is difficult. Yeah, I was distracted. <laughs> <laughs> and they do overwhelm you in the first couple of minutes with tech talk or uh, mission talk or recounting the what whatever they're doing, exposition to catch you up on what's happened so far. And I will I do agree that off the back of a really intense episode of Superman and Lois, it's very hard to stay in tune. Um, I know that especially when there's no commercial sometimes between the, the, the last few minutes of Superman Lois and the first few minutes of Tom Swift, it, it's a lot and a lighter show before Tom Swift or have Tom Swift start the evening might have been the better choice. For sure. But still, um, it was an okay episode. 
Um, sometimes episodes can be middling. It seemed like the point of this episode was to, to um, learn more about what's going on with Lino and his powers and how it's connected to his mom. Um, and then um, Tom getting snatched. <laughs> so mm. that we can, we can see whatever this um, weird obstacle course he'll be running in the next episode is. While I'm throwing out free ideas, I just counted on my fingers. There's about the same episode count left for Tom Swift and Dynasty. Move Tom Swift to Friday for me, please. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Let my dream be a reality just for eight weeks. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, like, man- like manifesting that. Uh, CW Mole, please pay attention to what uh, we can say. <laughs> um, but yeah, other than that, it's, um, I'm ex- more excited for um, next week's episode. I think it's next mm-hmm. uh, of, of Tom Swift. The Cotillion was nice, though. Everyone looked beautiful. Um, I loved the the setup. Uh, one of the things that like, Lorraine is such a complicated character. I loved her in this episode, though. Mm-hmm. She was good. And the one time I didn't was when, as a girl, you said at the beginning of the episode that Isaac is family, and then you just fired this man <laughs> at the yeah. end of the episode. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot. That was a lot. But she was she was really great. Um, yeah. And I loved the. I think my favorite moment um isn't actually when she's talking when she thinks she's talking to tom but she's actually talking to isaac about Mm -hmm. um loving tom my favorite moment is when she's explaining to isaac how he overstepped Mm -hmm. and that um and because they're like there are things you didn't know about lino's past in my past with my sister and that boy is my son um and that was like oh yes gravity like like because um actions have consequences i wish he didn't get fired but um, he did not have any of the information or the tools, but he brought a bad situation into the, to the home without mm-hmm. um, knowing context. Yeah, I, I, I really like her role or Lorraine's role in that story more so than her one in the actual main story. Because, of course, since she has to be an obstacle to Tom, sometimes she can be written. I don't want to say robotically, but like just kind of in a going through the motions way. Whereas in this one, you really felt how, how tied and emotional she was to the uh, to, to Lino story. And that was surprising for me. And I think that was my favorite part of the episode. Yeah. I see what you mean by robotic or well, not robotic, but like going through the motions. Mm-hmm. Uh, opening scene with Claire. And I think that's the opening scene with Claire, Tom and, and her, where she does not question that Claire has all the... Um, mm-hmm has complete control over the funds she just says it and i was like are we under my control right now are you more relaxed do you have the lip balm on because (laughs) (laughs) you're saying things but you're not questioning it and i'm confused yeah i feel like there should have been more aftermath there yeah um but still good episode we'll see what they give us next week i don't know if we want to skip do you want to skip my roast and just go to a toast just to end positive we could always drag dc later um yeah. so the flash has now surpassed arrow officially michael you do the honors i feel like that on an episode where the Arrowverse is so up in the air it feels right that we get to end on such a positive note about it we've spent an awful lot of this uh podcast talking about the flash's issues but aside from that i just want to congratulate it for first of all being a 100 Arrowverse show we don't have many of those left but second of all it has become officially become the longest running Arrowverse show, surpassing Arrow's 170 episodes with its season finale last night. Flash's episode count is currently at 171, and we know that it will at the very least get 15 more in season nine. 
that to me is an accomplishment worth worth celebrating. I feel like it, it has the potential to become the longest running superhero show of all time. Should it surpass Smallville? I don't know, but it may get as many seasons. We'll get to that when we get to that. But right now, I don't know if we'll ever see another Arrowverse show reach nine seasons. Legends of Tomorrow came so close and they stopped it. So The Flash has an incredible legacy. It eclipsed Arrow right out of the gate. No shade to Arrow. Arrow is great in its own place as well. It was a great show. But The Flash changed the game for superhero TV. And now we have all these big budget Marvel shows, these big budget Amazon shows, and The Flash is still there fighting away, entertaining people week after week after week. And it makes me proud to be a fan of it. So today I just wanted to raise a toast to The Flash and say congratulations on an incredible accomplishment. Go Flash. Go Flash. Oh, so exciting. Um, And season nine is coming. We just continue to go forward. But congratulations to The Flash. I am excited for what we're going to be seeing or possibly seeing in season nine, getting more episodes. Um, and, you know, uh, an Arrowverse future, perhaps, if Justice You comes behind it. Start Justice You on The Flash, please. Thank you. Yeah, that's what it deserves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, um, but that is it for us. Uh, we will not be dropping a new episode the Monday after next, Monday after this mm-hmm. one. Um, but it's only a one week hiatus. Treat us like Superman and Lois, right? Sometimes we're off, <laughs> we're off more than you expect. Um, but uh, we are the CW Spiral. I'm Sabrina. I'm Michael. And I'm Reed. Bye, y'all.